For the rest of us, I want to encourage you to take your copy of the scriptures and turn with me to Daniel chapter 2, prophetic book of Daniel in chapter 2. How'd you sleep last night? Did you sleep all right, huh? You know, have any weird dreams? Isn't that the thing about dreams? They're always so weird, you know? And Daniel is a book of dreams, I'll tell you. I had a dream last night. I was eating this enormous marshmallow, you know? Have you ever had that one? And I woke up and my pillow was gone. I mean, it's the craziest thing. I know you've heard that before, but I still love that. That's a funny one to me, you know? And we're going to look at a dream here. And this dream that we're going to see, the, the king of uh, Babylon, he, Nebuchadnezzar, he has this, this unusual dream and it is bothersome to him, very troubling to him. And uh, I, want to, I want to encourage you now to look for two things here in our sermon, all right? The first thing in this passage I want you to look at is the significance of the meaning of this dream. Now, I'm not asking you to just focus on the content but the significance of the content. And secondly, I want you to notice Daniel's response to all that takes place. An ever important, important significance to these two things. By the time we're done in about uh, 25 minutes, friends, I hope it all becomes clear. So take a look with me in verse 1 of uh, chapter 2 in the prophetic book of Daniel. And we read here in verse 1, this about this king's dream, and we see his distress. In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams, and his spirit was troubled, and his sleep left him. And then the king commanded that the magicians and the enchanters and the sorcerers and the Chaldeans be summoned to tell the king his dreams. So they came in and stood before the king, and the king said to them, I had a dream, and my, king, my spirit is troubled to know this dream. What does this dream mean? Now, you'll notice, my friends, that it continued on. You know, he had dreams, according to verse 1, repetitive, something so significant that it bothered him. And you'll see here, my friends, this king's distress is followed by these wise men's desperation. All of these people who were called to the king were considered to be wise, that they could find the answers to hidden things. But I want you to notice in verse 4, well, then the Chaldeans said to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever and tell your servants the dream, and we will show you the interpretation. Yeah, that's a dangerous thing, isn't it? You know, I get a hangnail. Well, you know what that means. It means you had a little bit of skin hanging over there, friends. People turn little things into everything. You know, that's certainly probably the practice going on here. Or other than that, perhaps they were led demonically. But we'll notice here. After inviting the king to tell the dream, the king answered, verse 5, and said to the Chaldeans, the word for me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and the interpretation, you shall be torn limb from limb, and your houses shall be laid in ruin. But if you show me the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor, and therefore... Show me the dream and its interpretation. Well, that's not so easy after all, is it? And they answered, verse 7, a second time and said, Let the king tell his servants the dream and we will show its interpretation. And the king answered and said, I know with certainty 
that you are trying to gain time because you see that the word for me is firm. If you do not make the dream known to me, there is but one sentence for you, and you have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me till the times change. Therefore, tell me the dream, and I shall know that you can show me its interpretation. And the Chaldeans, they answered the king and said, There is not a man on earth who can meet the king's demand, for no great and powerful king has ever asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or Chaldean. And the thing that the king asks is difficult, and no one can show it to the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. There's some irony there. Well, in light of the king's distress and these wise men's desperation to try and save their own skin and work their way in to make it easy on them, the king puts forth a decree here in verse 12. Notice this follow-up decree. Because of this, the king was angry and very furious and commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be destroyed. So the decree went out, and the wise men were about to be killed, and they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. Difficult, desperate situation that Daniel and his friends find themselves in here as we read this passage. Suddenly, the penalty of death is issued out to them. For what? The king is unhappy, then everybody's unhappy. You know how that goes. And I want you to notice how Daniel responded to this. I mean, let's just pause before we jump in there. How would you respond to this? Some furious king in some other part of this, this kingdom starts yelling and he's angry and suddenly the death sentence is placed upon you. How do you respond? Take a look at what Daniel does here. Verse 20, Daniel answered and said, blessed be the name of God forever. Whoop. <laughs> I'm sorry, I skipped about 40 verses there. Let's go to verse 15. Well, <laughs> Daniel replied, verse 14, with prudence and discretion. Prudence and discretion. He did not respond in emotions here, my friend. Calm and thoughtfully, prudently, carefully. This is how Daniel responded. And he responded to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. And notice his question here in verse 15. And he declared to Arioch, the king's captain, I mean, why is the decree of the king so urgent? I mean, can't we all die another day? Then Arioch made the matter known to Daniel, and Daniel, look at his confidence here, verse 16, and Daniel went in and requested the king to appoint him a time that he might show the interpretation to the king. What is it about this Daniel that makes him act so confidently after being so careful? You see, there is something he believes that, my friend, that you do not there's a bit of a challenge, isn't it? He believes God gives wisdom to those who ask it. Do you? 
When's the last time you asked for it, my friends? I mean, certainly if we are to maneuver the issues of this life, we will need wisdom. And Daniel counted on it because God gives wisdom to those who ask it. Well, so Daniel confidently says, I'll give an interpretation to the king. And here we are in verse 17 where we discover that just as Daniel anticipated, the dream is revealed to Daniel. Look at his petition here. I want you to notice that the first thing he did after making this statement is he went to his friends. Verse 17, then Daniel went to his house and made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, and told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of these wise men of Babylon. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel. Look at that. There's Daniel's revelation. God makes it clear to him. In a vision of the night, then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Look at that. Here's Daniel's position. Well, go ahead. Set a date. My God will make it known because, my friends, if this dream has any significance prophetically or in prophetic in any way, God communicating truth, he certainly would make it clear. And so Daniel has a prayer meeting with his friends asking God to reveal this thing. And God does just that here in verse 19. But look at Daniel's response. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever to whom belong wisdom and might. Don't miss this, friends. This is not blathering praise here. Daniel is very specific in what he is praising God for. Blessed be the name of God forever and ever to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and he sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things and he knows what is in the darkness. And the light dwells with him to you, O God of my fathers. I give thanks and praise for you have given me wisdom and might and have now made known to me what we asked of you for you have made known to us the king's matter. Imagine that. He asked in faith and God answered and he praised him. Well, having looked at the the distress of this king and his dream and how God has now revealed this dream to Daniel, we go right to the prophecy. Daniel's prophecy here in verse 24. And, and friends, yet another thing that stands out among da in Daniel's life that ought to be found in our lives. What is the first thing that Daniel did? He praised God. What is the second thing? Therefore Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon, and he went and said thus to him, Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in before the king, and I will show the king the interpretation. He did not think these are men filled with demons who, who seek out truth apart from God. He had compassion and mercy on these people. And the first thing he did was is step in and spare their lives. Do not kill them. Take me in and we'll take care of it. 
Daniel's mercy. But here we go now on the dream significance in verse 25. And the dream significance starts out with certainly encouragement to the exiles. Then Arioch brought in Daniel before the king in haste and said thus to him, I have found among the exiles of Judah a man who will make known the king's interpretation. And the king declared to Daniel, whose name he had named, of course, Belshazzar, are you able to make known to me the dream that I have and its interpretation? And Daniel answered the king and said, No wise men, enchanters, magicians, or astrologers can show the king the mystery that the king has asked. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and he has made known to the king Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the later days. And your dream and the visions of your head as you lay in bed are these. He gave glory to God, didn't he? No, it is not because I'm a smarty pants and I'm smarter than everyone else in the room. It is because there is a God in heaven who reveals these things. And the first thing that he revealed, my friends, is is this. This dream is from God. God has revealed these things. The dream is from God to you, O king, verse 29. As you lay in bed came thoughts of what would be after this. And here, the dream is of what will come to pass. And he who reveals mystery, mysteries made known to you what is to be, is a divine revelation. God has made a truth known. And while it is known, it has not yet been understood. And Daniel, a man of God, is about to make it clear. But as for me, this mystery, verse 30, has been revealed to me, not because of any wisdom that I have more than all the living, but in order that the interpretation may be made known to the king and that you may know the thoughts of your mind. And the dream, the significance of this dream certainly is to bring encouragement from exile, knowing that God is, 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 is making truth known even in the midst of their captivity. This dream is certainly from God. God is speaking. And this dream is about what will come to pass. The God who knows your days knows your futures, my friend. Don't you forget it. What's going on tomorrow, you have no idea. We make our plans, and God works his plan. The goal is to align our lives with God's work. What it is that God is doing is what we ought to be investing our lives in. Well, here's this dream that is to be made, come to pass. And he who reveals mysteries made known to you what is to be, verse 30. But as for me, this mystery has been revealed to me. Again, not because any wisdom that I have more than all the living, but in order that the interpretation may be made known to the king, and that you may know the thoughts of your mind. And this dream, of course, should have brought great humility, and you'll see why. And here is the dream's details, verse 31. You saw, O king, and behold, a great image. And this image, mighty and of exceeding brightness, stood before you, and its appearance was frightening. Which would make sense why the king was so troubled. 
Verse 32, this great image had a head of gold. And the head of this image was of fine gold. A chest of arms, uh, a chest in arms of silver. Its chest in arms of silver. Its middle and thighs of bronze. The legs of iron, feet partly iron and part clay. And its legs of iron, its feet, again, partly of iron and partly of clay. All right, so we have this great image and we have this description of, of decreasingly valued metals, starting with, with a precious bright gold head, moving to silver. And ironically, here we are in the midst of the Olympics, right? We got the gold, we got the silver, we got the bronze, right? You know? And as we move through here, we see this, 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 this representation of what is the head. It seems to be what is the best, and it continues to decrease as it moves down uh, to iron mixed with soft clay. And my friends, the significance of this is an eternal kingdom. We have this, this great figure, this, this giant person, it seems, a head with arms, a chest, legs, and feet. But it is followed, certainly, by an eternal kingdom, a fourth kingdom of iron and clay. You know, so you see all of these, Nebuchadnezzar is, is certainly uh, in this great image. He is the head of gold. Verse 36, I'm sorry, we skipped the, the great stone here in verse 34. And as you looked, a stone was cut out by no human hand, and it struck the image on the feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. Then the iron and the clay and the bronze and the silver and the gold all together were broken in pieces and became like the chaff of the summer, threshing floors. And the wind carried them away so that not a trace of them could be found. But the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the earth." Now, just on its surface, this is certainly difficult to understand. What is this all about? Well, Daniel lays it out here. The dream's interpretation in verse 36. And he tells him that, Nebuchadnezzar, you are the head of gold. This was the dream, verse 36. Now we will tell you the king its interpretation. You, O king, the king of kings, to whom the God of heaven has given the kingdom... Who is it that holds all power, who raises up kings and puts them down? It is God. You, O king, the king of kings, to whom the God of heaven has given the kingdom, the power, and the might, and the glory, and into whose hand he has given wherever they dwell, the children of men, the beasts of the field, and the birds of the heaven, making you rule over them all. You are the head of gold. Well, good for him. Well, my friends, it certainly starts with Babylon in this kingdom. But a series of kingdom follows. In another kingdom, verse 39, inferior to you shall rise after you. And yet a third kingdom of bronze which shall rule over the earth. And a fourth kingdom of iron and clay. And there shall be a fourth kingdom, verse 40, strong as iron because iron breaks to pieces and shatters all things. And like iron that crashes, crushes, it shall break and crush these. And as you saw the feet and the toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, it shall be a divided kingdom. But some of the firmness of the iron shall be in it, just 
as you saw iron mixed with a soft clay. And as the toe of the feet were partly iron and partly clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly brittle. And as you saw the iron mixed with soft clay, so they will mix with one another in marriage. But they will not hold together just as iron does not mix with clay. And so we have these kingdoms. And uh, we just have to wait a couple of chapters and we'll find out who these kingdoms are. Or if you know your history well or your Bible, you already do know. But it'll all become clear later. Well, after these kingdoms comes another kingdom. This stone cut out of a mountain. An eternal kingdom. Notice verse 44. And in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to any other people. And it will destroy all other kingdoms. And it shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end. And it shall stand forever, just as you saw that a stone was cut from a mountain by no human hand, and that it broke in pieces the iron and the bronze, the clay, the silver and the gold. A great God has made known to the king what shall be after this. And the dream is certain, and its interpretation is sure. And so Daniel has done the impossible, not in and of his own self, but because the God who is all wise has given him wisdom. And now the king responds, and Daniel is honored. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face and paid homage to Daniel and commanded that an offering and incense be offered up to him. And Daniel's God now is praised. Verse 47, the king answered and said to Daniel, Truly, your God is God of gods and Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal this mystery. And Daniel here is promoted. Then the king gave Daniel high honors and many great gifts and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief prefect over the wise men of Babylon. And Daniel made a request to the kings and he appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel remained in the king's court, planted there by God in a perfect place of influence just like where you are today. God has planted you to have the influence that he would have you make in this world, my friends. And so as we wrap this up here, friends, this dream, while it seems confusing and, and not filled with answers and how in the world do we have any practical application with a bunch of kingdoms? Well, friends, one of the most important principles is this. That God can reveal the course of history because he is sovereign over all history. God is the one that raises them up. God is the one that takes them down. We will learn the names of these kingdoms to come, my friends. But know this, that God is sovereign over them all. And so a wise man's response to reading such thing, I would recommend is this. To seek God's wisdom and not man's. Seek God's wisdom in your life. He is a God who bestows unto those who seek it wisdom. Those with understanding, God will give wisdom. Wisdom. 
Wisdom is not knowledge. Wisdom is the proper application of knowledge. This world is full of knowledge. Imagine when you were a child, some of you older folks like me, you know, how much did we know? We, we, we turned on the television and we got a newspaper. Now you turn on your computer and you can search out every mystery of this world, watching videos to learn how to do all sorts of things. And that wisdom and that knowledge is nothing compared to what God reveals to us if we seek it. Seek God's wisdom, not man's. And seek peace for those whom God has placed in your life. Though they were certainly enemies of God, these wise men. Daniel's first step was to seek mercy for them. To keep death from them. And I suppose an application of that would be to say, look, in a hundred years, everybody in this room will be gone. More than likely. I mean, sure, some of those little babies maybe live in a hundred years more. I don't know. But what kind of impact are you going to live? What kind of stories are people going to tell? Something about your love and your compassion and your care? Some of you are on Facebook. I am. It's one of the ways I keep tabs on you. <laughs> I have some friends from high school. Uh, yeah, they're still alive, me too, you know. Um, <laughs> And uh, the, the, the silly things on Facebook, you know, what, what are your friends going to be if they go back a thousand years? And you know what? They, they got to pick out what their friends would do, a fisherman, a pirate. And one of my friends said, an apostle of Jesus. And I thought, yeah, subtle, consistent witness for Christ. Subtle, consistent witness of Christ. Until you know it's not time to be subtle anymore, friends. When it's just time to speak up. Without Christ, people are perishing. We all deserve death, separation for all eternity, my friends. They need to know the truth that you know, and that is that Christ died for our sin. And he rose from the dead. That is the gospel, the good news. Christ has paid the penalty Put your faith in him. So seek God's wisdom, not man's, and seek peace for those whom God has placed in your life. And get in sync with God's plan. God knows the beginning from the end. God is determining the very end from the beginning. Get in sync with what God is doing. You'll have a whole lot less trouble in this world. And the trouble you have, just like Daniel, it's all manageable by just walking by faith in Christ. You see, Daniel, Daniel, there's no stress in Daniel's life. You know why there's no stress? Because Daniel trusts the God who keeps the time. He determines the end from the beginning, and he trusts him. How about you, friends? What are you wrestling with God with this morning? Huh? You say, well, it's not God, it's life. Friends, all of it is about you and God. All grumbling is against God. Trust him, my friends. Trust him today. He has put you in this place that you might call out to him to see his mercies, his grace, and his power. Trust him today. 
just like Daniel. 